Hello and welcome to Sports Page. Here we feature the University of Central Missouri Mules and Jennies. We visit with UCM coaches and student athletes. We also share some UCM athletics history, find out where two UCM alumni are now, and take a look at the week ahead in UCM athletics. I'm your host, Dr. Joe Moore, and it is my pleasure to share with you the college athletic program I know and love. The program, I believe, is the class of the Mid-America Intercollegiate Athletics Association and one of the top programs in all of NCAA Division II athletics. Today on Sports Page, I'm visiting with UCM co-head track and field coach Kip Jandron and athletes Matty Wolfcutter and Trey Miller. Get ready for a great show. It's time for Sports Page. It's not every athlete who gets to compete for a former Olympian, but that is just what UCM student-athletes and track and field athletes have in Kip Jandron. He is in his 27th season as co-head coach and in his 33rd season at UCM. He and co-head coach Kirk Peterson have led the Mules and Jennies to a combined 37 men's and women's indoor and outdoor MIAA championships, and they also led the Jennies track and field team to the 2015 indoor and outdoor NCAA Division II crowns. Coach Janvern has guided 25 national champions who have won a total of 44 titles. He works primarily with the Mules and Jenny Sprinters, Hurdlers, Pole Vaulters, and Multi-Event Athletes. Coach, we've been together a long time, but I think this is the first time I've ever had a chance to sit and interview you, so welcome. Good to have you here. Joe, appreciate it. Uh, always enjoy our conversations. Yeah, we have a good time. <laughs> we do. We, uh, we have a lot of history going back. Tell us about this year's team. Well, we, we have some very fun parts. We've got a lot of upperclassmen, uh, people that have been in our program four, five, six years, uh, and, and and they're really our team leaders and the people that we need to make an impact and make our younger kids do the things they need to do. And then we also have a kid that just showed up here at semester that's uh, just jumped 7-1 and change in the high jump. And so uh, it's always an eclectic mix of athletes. Um, you know, a lot of the young kids – no matter how talented they are, they're still kind of clueless how the whole system works and what it is to work hard and not get overly concerned about early season performances and do the work that takes to be good at the end of the year when it matters. And so um, we're still learning, uh, but, it, but it's going to be fun. we got some kids that uh, are exciting to watch every weekend. So who has stood out so far? Well, the, the guy that just tra- transferred in, Cadman Evans, um, is is really a great high jumper. Currently ranked third in the nation. Uh, we have two good guy pole vaulters in Jack Hodge and Reagan Ulrich, uh, who have both been All-Americans. Uh, Jana Shaver, who really, you know, some of these kids, um, especially on the track, our, our kids haven't really raced in their marquee event yet. And that's really by plan. And, and they're not really even going to do it this weekend either. It'll be kind of Pitt State is the weekend that we focus to really run our best times. Um, you know, and so Jana, who's an All-American in the 800, is yet to run that event, will not run it this weekend. Um, you know, we have a freshman girl, Brooklyn Holtman from Maryville, snuck her out of there, um, who I think is going to be really, really good. Uh, she's training super phenomenally and um, just got to keep her healthy and moving forward. Got a couple really nice uh, pentathletes. Um, Kayla Goodwin, who's a sophomore now, went through Achilles surgery last year. Um, she's currently ranked second or third in the nation in the pentathlon. And then Claire Lou Allen, who transferred in from Missouri Southern, who was a national qualifier in the long jump and the hurdles last year, uh, transferred here for grad school, and she's right behind Kayla and doing really well. Uh, got a couple nice distance runners doing well. Obviously, Trey Miller's currently ranked, I think, second now in, in the heptathlon for men, and we'll call on him to do a lot of things. And so, uh, you know, we've got a, a good group of people. Most of those are upperclassmen doing well. 
That's awesome. So indoor track and field, that season we're in right now, indoor goes, you do the MIAA indoor championships, NCAA indoor championships, then we get to outdoor. For those of you unfamiliar with the sport, or for those people who are unfamiliar with the sport, aside from the obvious, what is the difference in indoor versus outdoor? Well, some of it is the events. You know, we don't throw the javelin, we don't throw the hammer, we don't throw the discus. So for our throwers, they're a little bit slighted during the indoor season. Um, we traditionally run kind of the same events, although we run the 60 instead of the 100, but yet we run the 2, they're on the 4. But indoor track is more difficult to run fast just because of the tightness of the turns. And, um, you know, unfortunately at some of our home meets, I don't run some of our best sprinters because I know they're not going to run fast. I wait till we go to Northwest or go to Pitt or even Washburn on a bank track where they have the opportunity to run faster on a bigger facility. Um, for me at a home meet, it's it's – it's simplified a little bit because we have a period of time where all the field events are going on and you can see everything going on at once that ends and then all the races go on and you can watch everything that goes on. Um, when we go to other places that have a different configuration with their facilities, it kind of all goes on at once, but yet it's all in a confined area where you can see pretty much everything that goes on. Uh, when we go to an outdoor facility and pretty much everywhere we go, the long throws, the javelin, the hammer, the discus are traditionally off-site from the track and you know there's there's some meets that will travel and when I get home I'll get online to see how our guys perform <laughs> and I hate to say that but that's the reality of what it is you know um, I'm always at hey how'd so-and-so throw and um, that's unfortunate in our sport but yet with facilities the way they are and um, it, it's just the reality and so I feel bad that I don't get out there and see our throwers do more things because in reality they work probably harder than most of the other athletes well and when people don't most time people get to watch track and field is during the olympics and these are in these big arenas and everything's right mm -hmm. there in the arena and so they i think they probably think well it's all happening right there that's not the case with no. the outdoor game no it's really not and um you know i've been around some of the most elite meets and um and, and even in Division Two at our national championships on days that we – if we do have a facility that has the hammer or javelin inside the oval, which is very rare, they almost always have those events conducted when nothing else goes on, which is unfortunate for those athletes because they don't get much for spectatorship there. And they don't – they almost don't feel like they're a part of the championships, and that's very unfortunate. So for those people who, because I've worked a lot of indoor track and field meets throughout my, my career when I worked in <laughs> athletics, and I loved it. I think it's it's compact. There's something going on everywhere. So for somebody, if they want to come out and say, you know, I, I'd like to see this uh, indoor track and field, give them some tips. What should they be looking for? Well, and I'll kind of revert back to that. Um, you know, Jerry Hughes back in the day would call track and field a three-ring circus in there. <laughs> and in, in reality, it is just because there's so much going on. And... When, you know, there's not, and there's a lot more indoor tracks now than there used to be, but um, most of those meets are, I don't want to say overrun, that's the wrong word, but there's almost too many spectators, or too many competitors, and there's so much going on, and there's so many heats, it, it lags for a long period of time, and in reality, that hurts our sport, because the fan doesn't want to sit there and watch 12 hours of track and field. If we could do all that, and then have the marquee, maybe top two heats of all those races, and the top eight jumpers, or whatever, would be the best scenario, but once again, that's, that's hard to make it happen, but when a meet goes on, you know, as you watch the throws and the long jump and triple jump, as they get through the preliminaries, then they get the top athletes into the finals. 
That's the most exciting part. When the high jump and the pole vault, when the bar gets up towards the end, when the best people are competing, that's when it's the most exciting. And the same thing with the dash and the hurdles, you get to the finals or the fastest heat, which is usually the later heats. That's when the excitement happens. And, um, you know, for us, we have our, our scoreboard at the multi tight end of the timing. Um, and, you know, those things are exciting when the times pop up and you can hear the woo, you know, the people get excited because it was so good. And, and at our last home meet when, when Cadman High jumped really well, when he went over the bar, there was a, a, a loud cheer and all the heads turned to see what happened. And, and that's the, what's exciting about track and field indoors that you don't normally get outdoors because in, the fans are typically outside the oval. Uh, but yet some of our indoor meets, especially during the field events, they can be right at the event site, which is kind of neat. Okay. And you're a former Olympic athlete. Do you still compete? Do you still train with your athletes? Uh, no. And, and to be honest, that's one of the things I, I'm most sad that I can't anymore. And I was, I don't know, four or five years ago, I was training with, uh, started with the elite guys and ended with the elite girls, <laughs> but uh, kind of had a knee give out on me a little bit. And now I have a new knee. So, um, you know, I don't get to do the fun things anymore. So what do you do to feed that? Because I know you're still competitive. What do you do to still feed that itch? For me right now, it's just pretty much golf. That's about all I can do. Um, you know, I, I'm not a fan of biking or swimming or any of those things. So uh, I try to golf almost as often as I can. So we go back. We talked a little bit earlier that we have some history together. We go back to when I was a student athlete here. You were a graduate assistant coaching on the track and field team at that time, I believe. I left for eight years, went to a couple other schools and came back. You've always been a mule, always been a Jenny. What's kept you here all that time? Well, you know, initially, um, I, I, I liked the the opportunity to coach and train and do those things. There was a period in the early 90s and some a little bit later in the 90s where I actually interviewed for some jobs. I, I you know, I need to go D1. I need to get to the elite level. I actually interviewed for a, a D3 job and some other things. And um Ultimately, I, I just felt like I had a better opportunity to have a great program at Central Missouri than some of those other options. Um, you know, money money wasn't always the most important things. It was, you know, and, and job security is not either, but I always felt comfortable at Central Missouri. Uh, obviously, my wife from the Kansas City area, her parents retired south of here. Um, there was just so many things I loved about Warrensburg and the the unity of the college and, and the community, um, it was home and loved raising my kids here. And um, they'll bury me here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's what brought this, those same things are what brought me back. So you probably don't remember this, but, but back in the day, I played football here for the Mules. Yeah. I was not known for my speed. I approached you one time and I said, I need to get faster. I know you're an elite athlete. Can you train me? Can you help me get faster? You didn't bat an eye. You're like, yeah, come on out. Told me when we when you're going to be doing a workout. I think I lasted maybe a half of the workout with you. I was like, that's when I realized there's a whole other level. I thought I knew how to work. I thought I knew how to be an athlete, and I realized there's a whole other level of of elite athlete. Well, you know, I to to really be good to be elite, I, I, and I preach this to our team. You need consistent quality training over time. And there's no substitute. You, you've got to do the work. You can't expect immediate results, although there are some simple things you can do to make good improvements. But um, you, you just got to grind. Um, not any different than a lot of the other sports. You just, you just got to put your time in. You got to work at it. And to get truly elite, you got to pay, pay attention to detail. Um, you know, we have Antonio Lay, who's the fastest guy in school history. And 
Um, a lot of it's God-given, and for the most part, he works hard. But when he appears to not be paying attention and appears to be just kind of mimicking some of the drills that we do, I try to get on him, and I tell tell him that, you know, from where you're at to be where you could be is just going to take a little bit more attention to detail. And so uh, we try to reiterate that to our kids every day, you know, do things that you need to do, the little things that make a difference. And that's, you know, diet, sleep, um, quality of life, all, all those things dictate how well you train on a daily basis and the quality of training that you do over time really can dictate your improvements. You know, I, I ran a 488, I think was the fastest 40 I ever ran. And that was everything coming together perfectly for me. And really to be able to compete, I needed to be running about a four five, maybe a four six. Physiologically, some people just can't do that. They can get so much faster, but they just can't really what is it that you know, no matter how hard you work, strength training, speed wise, whatever, that some people have it, mm-hmm. some people don't? Well, it, it, it comes down to genetics. I mean, we're all b- born with so many red blood cells, white bl- or muscle fibers, red muscle fibers, white muscle fibers that determine how fast you are. I'm one of the anomalies. Um, for instance, I ran 1202 in the 100 meters as a freshman in college and ended up running 1061. And that, that, that is so rare. I mean, normally, if you can drop three or four tenths on a guy or a girl, that that's pretty significant. Um, you know, and in the progress from what you can do in high school to what you can do in college, a lot of that is dictated by what you've done in high school. So if, I'll give you an example. We recruit kids that run club track, run all summer, and do all those things. We don't. We feel that they've had a lot of good coaching already, and their ceiling is not as high as someone that does all four sports. They don't focus on one thing. Um, then they get to college. Okay, now we're going to learn more things about technique. We're going to do a little bit more strength training that's specific to your event. And, um, you know, then we can have that progress. And and the strength training, you know, we've, we've got two great people, Courtney and Johnny, that are working with us in the strength staff on campus. And they've done a phenomenal job uh, catering to the needs of each event event area. And, you know, that makes a significant difference for our kids, too. Okay, so I'm just going to go with the fact I was just born to be slow. Because if I were really <laughs> fast, I'd be playing in the NFL. And you know, <laughs> uh, some people are born slow, um, and and maybe you should have been a miler. You just never wanted to do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> well, you aren't the only athlete in your family. Your wife Teresa, I remember her from back in the day. She was on the track and field team whenever I was a student. We we kind of crossed a little bit in our time as students here at UCM. I remember her. She was she was a beast. Y'all ever get into that competitive spirit together now? Um, you know, and, and I coached her for one year, and I, gosh, I wish I could have spent some more time with her because she she was very talented. And um, what all did she do? What all she was else? mainly a hurdler um, and ran sprint relays. And then when I got here, I tried to make her a heptathlete, and she just needed more time. and And she was very competitive, and she hated to lose, and and still does. Um, you know, we play cards and things like that, and we butt heads on that and things like that. Um, She's currently 10th on our indoor 60-meter hurdles, and I have two girls that are going to knock her off very soon, and, and she thinks that my whole goal <laughs> is to get her off the top 10 list. And, yeah, uh, but luckily, she's, she's like the school record holder in the 300 yards that we no longer run, so it's always <laughs> going to be there. But, um, you know, um, wh- what's phenomenal is she is a track athlete. She understands the sport and understands why – I spend so many hours at the office and with the kids and the individual attention I give them. And to be honest, if she wasn't 
supportive of me and behind me, I would have never had the success I did as an athlete because, you know, we, we have video of her filming me throwing the shot put outdoors in the snow the day before our son was born. And, you know, she cared more about me, more about our children than she ever has about herself. And pretty special lady. Yeah, she's pretty phenomenal. I've known her for a long time. So I'm not as long as you have, but I've known her a long time. She's a pretty neat lady. She was saying and telling the story the other day when we were talking about this interview that your goal was to get her knocked off of all those, those top ten lists. So would she debate you on who's the better athlete? Um, no, I don't think so. And um, but boy, I mean, I, I think back when we first got married, we'd rude wrestle and stuff like that, just playing around and stuff. Man, I would. I, I don't like it when she's mad at me. Let's put it that way. <laughs> She was an athlete. She was good. <laughs> you also have two sons, Jackson and Mason. Mason played baseball for the Mules, drafted by the Baltimore Orioles back in 2019. Suffice it to say, you are a competitive family. What, so what's family game night like? Well, um, and, and kind of we go back to playing cards. And, um, you know, we, we've always been a family that likes to play cards. It comes from both of our, our parents and grandparents. And um, we play a, a different myriad of games that really have – have skill but not that much so there's a lot of luck involved which gets everybody upset and um you know my my youngest son mason now is kind of into disc golf and does that quite a bit and um happily to say that both of the boys are gainfully employed and making good money and uh doing well yeah what are they doing now so jackson works at cerner which is now bought out by oracle lives in kansas city or lee summit and uh been there since graduation from missouri s and t and then Mason ended his baseball career a year ago in March and right away got a job with Black and & Veatch and for a while was uh, actually oversaw the construction of a 600-acre solar power plant in Florida. And um, that ended, and then he is starting a new job with um, Cargill. This coming Monday will be at uh, one of the meat processing plants as a safety manager in Marshall, which will get him back in this area. Uh, and we'll have steady hours, and you'll, you know, the other job he made great money. It was super, but seventy hours a week doesn't give you much of a life. No, <laughs> but when you're not. young and single, you can do those things. Yeah, well, it's good to have them back in the area for sure. I miss them, and it's uh, every minute I get to spend with them is a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, let's get back to the team. We're going to have a couple of your star athletes on here in a bit. Uh, what can we expect from the Mules and Jennies as we get to the end of the indoor season and get ready for outdoor? Well, like I said, we always focus on two things, our indoor conference championship and the uh, and national championships. And, uh, you know, our conference is really good. Pitt State, uh, defending national champions on the guys' side outdoors, are once again loaded. Um, you know, we, we, can't, we can't touch them. Um, whether we can be second at the conference meets really going to depend on how we perform. You know, our best guy thrower, Addison Snowball, has got a little elbow injury. He hasn't thrown the shot yet, but has done well in the weight. Whether Trey Miller does the heptathlon or focuses on open events um, will still be decided. And, and it's possible, you know, that we could be fourth and fifth at the conference meet, but yet we could be fourth or fifth at the national meet because the people we have are very, very good, but we just don't quite have enough of them. And then on the girls' side um, – you know, once again, we got some really nice pieces. Pitt State's probably the best team. Northwest looks really good. Washburn's improved. Uh, Hayes is good. So we'll be we'll be battling for the second, third, fourth tier. And then, um, you know, I, I'm working really hard to try to get a four by four to nationals. We've been there the last few years. I think we can get it there again. Hopefully, Jana will run a good 800 in a couple weeks. We'll get there. We'll have a couple multi-eventers. Uh, Maddie will get there in the pole vault where she's been an All-American and the school record holder. And um, just trying to get more bodies there. Rachel 
um, Malloy in the weight throw is throwing really well right now, so we're hoping that she can defend her conference title and, um, you know, need our kids to perform their best at the conference meet. And yeah. that's that's always the hard part. And when kids go to the conference meet and they don't have their personal best, then we, we all sit here and scratch our heads and say, what went wrong? And um, that's where our coaching comes in. Yeah, that's what a lot of people don't understand is you may not win your conference meet, but you could win the national meet. Case in point, the, the 2015 Jenny's track and field teams that – as a team at that at the conference level, you've got everybody throwing mm-hmm. everybody out there. But then nationals, it's who qualifies, and if you've got enough of the top people who qualify, you can you can do well at that national level. Yeah, so uh, you need depth to win conference titles. You need quality to win national titles. And um, you know, we we had a phenomenal team in 2015, and at the end of our national meet, I think we only had four girls that actually scored points but they scored a lot of them. And then we had a couple more that helped outdoors. So, um, you know, and, and, and we've always been a team oriented. We've always had big numbers uh, and we believe in that. And, um, you know, not only having good kids at the top, but hopefully people play placing fifth, sixth, seventh and things like that, picking up those extra points. Um, but that year, we just had some phenomenal athletes and the way things came together. And I think back about how they all ended up here and how some of them were pretty humble uh, but by the time, you know, Megan Glayman's a great example who her first couple of years, um, you know, she couldn't score in the conference meet. And then at the national meet outdoors that year with two laps to go, she was running with the best in division two. And, and it wasn't because she was that good. It was because she was that determined to do it. And a lot of times that's, that's all it takes a kid to believe in themselves, to say, I'm going for it and put their nose in it and phenomenal things can happen. Excellent. All right. Well, finally, Coach, we usually play a little word association with our coaches at this time. We're going to do a little something different with you. I'm going to give you a couple of phrases, and I want you to pick your make your choice, all right? Pole vault or decathlon? Pole vault. And people don't maybe not know that you were a pole vaulter <laughs> and a decathlete, but the pole vault over the decathlon. Well, it, it's just so much easier. You know, I probably wouldn't have had knee surgery if I would just been a pole vaulter. It takes a lot less time and a lot less work. Um, but unfortunately, I wasn't good enough, so I chose to do all the others. <laughs> Drive cross country or run a marathon? Wow, um, I've driven cross country, so um, yeah, marathon takes well, a lot of mental strength. Golf or fishing? Golf. It it happens quicker. You control it. Fishing, you you can't control much. <laughs> gold medal or national championship? Gold medal. For sure. I mean, that's above a national championship. So, All right. Well, Coach, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being here. I Like we said before, always fun to get together and, and chat. And good luck to you and the Mules and Jennies the rest of the way. Thanks, Joe. That was UCM co-head track and field coach Kip Janvern joining us here on Sports Page. Time now to take a look at this week in UCM athletics history for January 30th through February 5th. Lots happened this week throughout UCM athletics history. On February 1st, 1975, Rick Gosnell dropped 52 points at Southeast Missouri State University in Cape Girardeau to become the first Mules basketball player to top the half-century mark. It wasn't enough as UCM fell 102-96. Gosnell averaged 26.6 points that season, third best in school single-season history. Jenny's basketball had a big night four years later on February 2nd, 1979. They pulled down a school record 71 rebounds against Tarkio, and that made a huge difference as the Jennies whipped their foes 87-37. 
February 1st through 3rd, 2013, the Mules baseball team made its inaugural trek to the Houston Winter Invitational at Minute Maid Park. They dropped their first game to Texas A&M Kingsville, but then defeated Abilene Christian, Arkansas Tech, and Arkansas Monticello. The Mules will be back in Houston for the 11th annual Houston Winter Invitational this weekend. And one year ago, on February 5th, 2022, Antonio Lace printed to a UCM record in the 60-meter dash at the Bearcat Invitational in Maryville, Missouri. His time? 6.65 seconds. Now that is moving. Not a bad week, January 30th through February 5th, this week in UCM Athletics history. Up next, I get to visit with athletes Maddie Wolfcutter and Trey Miller, right here on Sports Page. We can stop to make sure someone is okay. Get in the way and disrupt the situation. Notify an authority. Or walk them home safely. We can change the language around rape. We can make campuses safer for our teammates, our friends, and our classmates. We cannot be bystanders. Taking action isn't always easy, but it's on, on us. To intervene. Because we can. Learn more and take the pledge at itsonus.org. I'm joined now by Maddie Wolfcutter and Trey Miller. Maddie, Trey, welcome. Good to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. Maddie is a redshirt senior pole vaulter from Odessa, Missouri and Odessa High School. She holds the school record in the indoor pole vault at 13 feet, 11 and three quarter inches and in the outdoor mark at 13 feet, 11 and a quarter. And she is a two-time All-American. Trey is a redshirt senior multi-event athlete from Clinton, Missouri and Clinton High School. He is a three-time All-American who placed second in the heptathlon at the NCAA Division II Indoor Championships last year. And Trey, I'm going to start with you because you probably don't know this, but we have some history. Really? <laughs> Back in the day, we used to produce a show called the Midwest Missouri Gridiron Report that we put on our YouTube channel, CTV, and we featured you twice during your Clinton football career. Once you were the you had the play of the week um, as an 80-yard touchdown run against Warsaw, and then you were our player of the week once when you had 210 all-purpose yards, scoring four touchdowns against Smith Cotton. Were you, were you aware of that? Uh, I had seen the videos, I think, but I didn't know you had anything to do with that. Yeah, I was the, the faculty advisor as one of my classes putting it together. So, yeah, I remember you from way back when. <laughs> and so when you started, I started seeing your name on track and field, I'm like, I know that name. Who is he? So I went back and looked at that. Sure enough, we knew you win. We knew what a great athlete you were going to be. So I'm assuming when you were going to come to college, did you plan on being a multi-event athlete right away? Um, yeah, I had conversations with Kip, and I think we planned on that all along. Uh, I had only jumped in high school, but I was open to new things. Which event's your favorite? Uh, probably long jump. Probably long jump? Yeah. How come? Um, it's just what I've always been best at. High school, I was a state champ, so. Well, and that's interesting because so many, it's my understanding that so many multi-event athletes, they started out with the pole vault because it seems pole vault and, the, Matt, you're going to be able to correct me if I'm wrong here, <laughs> seems to be the hardest event to pick up. I mean, we grow up jumping up and down and jumping long and running and throwing stuff, but grabbing a stick and flinging ourselves over a bar, that seems a little... Did that take a while to pick up? Uh, yeah, and actually I'm still picking it up. Uh, <laughs> I think I just hit my PR this year from freshman year, so 
It's definitely a process. All right. Well, now, Maddie, you competed in the pet, uh, pentathlon once back in December of 2021, right? Correct. Yes. Have, and you've competed in other events, the 60, the mile relay, the 100, the 200. What's, what is it about the pole vault? You just decided, you know what, forget all of that. I'm just going to stick with the pole vault. Um, so I did. I do a lot of those other things just as training because, I mean, train more, get get better, jump higher type thing. So I would say, like, I always just fall back to pole vault. That's where my heart is. That's where I, I love being. Every day I show up to practice, and I'm, I'm happy to be there, happy to jump. So it really just draws me in. So You started your freshman year. You hit 10 feet, 8 inches. Since then, you've improved by more than 3 feet. Correct. What is it? What does it take to get that much better? Is, um, and is that normal? Is it normal to go that much, that, have that much improvement? With Kip Janvern, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, I mean, I've had some hard spells. It's been, there have been a couple days that I maybe don't want to show up to practice. I mean, every athlete I feel goes through that situation of getting the yips or, um, so there were a lot of run through days and I mean, Kip really was my rock through that. I mean, he never put an ounce of pressure on me. And so I just, I've learned to enjoy it again and we've gotten better. We just keep getting up and getting higher bars. So, well, you're on the verge of becoming the first 14 foot pole. I mean, obviously you're at 13, 11 and yeah, three quarters yeah, so and you've close. the school record holder. Yeah. So, so just that little yep, bit. Yep. What is it going to take to get over 14? And then how high can you go? Oh, get faster. Always get faster. And if you get faster, more bars to come. So that's what Kip tells me. So I believe it. <laughs> so it's not a different bar. It's all on you. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so, Maybe oh, yeah. a little bar love here and there. but. <laughs> well, this is for both of you. Whenever I worked in uh, track and field meets, because I don't know if you all know this or not, I used to be the Ryan Anderson. I, I was the athletic media relations director here many years ago. Um, when I was a student athlete here, I also worked in the sports information office, and I always got to work the track meets. And, and I'm one of those guys, I love track. I love watching track and field. Um, there was always this ritual for the pole vaulters. It seemed for the pole vaulters, long jumpers, and high jumpers, where the crowd would start that clap, mm-hmm. and then the rhythm would pick up, and then you take off. Number one, what is it about that clap that gets everybody geeked up? And number two, do either of you have a, a ritual you go through to get ready for an event? I don't know that we're, we like having the clap. I'd say we're the two on the team that prefer not to, but I know um, some kids, it just really hypes them up. It gets them going. But, I mean, other than – I don't know that I have any rituals. I don't really either. <laughs> just kind of go with the flow. Yep. You don't have anything, like, depending on the event, there's nothing that you do differently to get yourself psyched and ready to go? Because I've got to think that, again, going over that bar versus <laughs> throwing a shot put, mentally, you got to get yourself in mentally, a different... Mentally, yes, but I feel like I do better when I just kind of get up there and... Wing it. Wing it, yeah. <laughs> be an athlete. <laughs> just what they always tell me. Just use what God gave you and yeah. go out there. Okay, all right. <laughs> We had one of your former head, uh, co-head coaches on earlier, Kip Janro. We already talked to him. What's it like having a former Olympian, particularly a guy who competed in what you compete in, Trey? Uh, what's it like having a former Olympian be your coach? Um, well, I mean, any questions that I have are answered right away. I mean, he knows pretty much everything. And anytime you start struggling with something, it's like he says one thing, and it's like you figure it out immediately. What what kind of coach is he? Is he one of those lot of technical skill, lot of you know 
drill sergeant get in your face, a lot of pat you on the back. What kind of coach is Kip? Mm-hmm. I've worked with him for years, and I've never really watched him coach. I feel like it's different per athlete. I know with me, it's it's not that I need a lot of pats on the back, but it's, it's always good to always have something positive. And, um, I mean, he really just – he – makes you enjoy the sport and buy into the process. I mean, he's just so enjoyable to be around and to be coached by, and I can't imagine having anyone better, really. So. Trey? Um, yeah, no. I could never imagine him getting up and yelling in anyone's face. I mean, that's just not our style. Um, pretty laid back. He'll give you what you need, and everyone needs something different, so he's willing to give you that. Well, you're, you're both student-athletes, and COVID – Track and field, and especially for the distance runners, always was, I don't want to say odd, but as I was trying to keep track of what year our athletes were, mm-hmm. you know, you could be a junior in cross country and a sophomore in indoor track and field and a senior outdoor and then throw COVID into it. And you're just, so are you, you're both redshirt seniors, indoor and outdoor, correct? I mean, you have an indoor and an outdoor season left, correct? Correct. Okay. Maddie, you've graduated with your degree in elementary education, and Trey, you graduated with a degree in um, criminal justice with an undergrad certificate in emergency management, and now you're working on your master's in criminal mm, justice, is that right? No, I just got my certificate in uh, crisis and disaster management, and I'm finishing up my uh, minor in law enforcement, and then I'll finish my uh, degree this semester. Okay, so you're working on the on yeah. the bachelor's, getting that wrapped up. Yeah. So, Maddie, what are you doing now? Um, I'm currently taking two online classes for um, educational technology masters, so, yeah, okay. starting starting my master's. All right, so what's the plan then when you graduate? Um, I plan on uh, attending the police academy somewhere and going into law enforcement, wherever that takes me. Okay. Um. I would say my plan is to maybe, I guess, grow up. I guess it's time. My parents say it's time. So grow up, get a job. I still plan on jumping just because, I mean, you, you're you only young once, so you might as well use it while you got it. So so you'll st- keep competing in the pole vault? I plan to, yeah. That's the plan right now. So after you graduate from college then, unless you're going for, like, the Olympics or something like that, where does somebody compete for the pole vault? Um, I mean, we have open meets. Like, the meets that we go to, are some are still open, and you'll see just kind of the – they call them unattached athletes. So, yeah, I wouldn't compete for UCM, sadly, but still be jumping. So Trey, what about you? Will you keep competing? Um, I've debated it. Uh it's a lot of work, and uh, when you're outside of school, you're not always on this set schedule of, like, coming in and doing the events, and I don't know. I think it would be pretty hard, but I would like to But you, If you don't compete in decathlon, will you do something else to feed that competitive itch? Uh, Yeah. I'm probably play, like, slow-pitch softball or <laughs> be the golf. Be the beast of the slow-pitch leagues. Yeah. That would be awesome. <laughs> All right, so – you're both All-Americans. You're obviously fast on a track. We're going to see how fast thinking you are. For this last segment, oh I'm going to throw out some terms or ask you some questions, and I want your first reaction. And I'm going to take turns of who gets to ask first and who gets to ask second because I don't want you copying off of one another, all right? Okay. So, Maddie, we're going to start with you. Okay. Is a taco a sandwich? No. Trey? No. Oh, no, man. <laughs> I went to a restaurant, and they had the taco listed with the sandwiches. And I was like, is it really a sandwich? But you, you two were pretty emphatic. No, it's no. not. So, okay. Watch a movie or read the book? Watch a movie. 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 All right. Favorite athlete? Mm, 
Katie Najat. Okay, who's Katie Najat? A pole vaulter. Uh, it's what Olympian, I figured. Olympian, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, I'll say Kevin Mayer. Kevin Mayer. Is he a decathlete? Uh, world record decathlete. All right. <laughs> Hype song. Oh, gosh. There are so many. I don't know. I don't know. I don't have a specific. I just have a playlist. I'm the same way. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We're no fun, I guess. You are, you are the third and fourth athletes I've interviewed for Sports Page, and none of you have a hype song. Mm-mm. I figured that would be a big thing for you all. Nobody has a hype song. They all, y'all have Not a specific one. Hype playlist, I would say. Yeah. Hype playlist. Mm-hmm. All right. I said I was going to go back and forth, and I keep starting with you, Maddie. So turn it okay. over okay. to you. Dream job. Uh, police officer. Okay. Uh, second grade teacher. Second grade teacher. Mm-hmm. All right. Dream vacation. Um, Hawaii. Hawaii. Italy. Italy. Mm. All right. If you weren't competing in track and field, what would you be doing? Probably football. Football. What position? Um, probably safety. Safety. All right, Coach Lamberson, you heard it right here, Maddie. <laughs> um, probably like, I don't know. Pilates or yoga, something way less, way, way less aggressive. You know, that's what I think of like when I grow up and I'm a mom and I'm like, I'm going to do something, but it's not going to be so demanding, I guess. It's not going to be pole vaulting. (laughs) Yeah. Pilates or I was not expecting that. All right. Finally, what does it mean to you to be a UCM track and field athlete? Uh, Everything. It's been my family, obviously, for the past going on six years and I can't I've met so many wonderful people and I can't imagine my life without them I'm I'm close I've I grew up close to Warrensburg obviously I grew up in Odessa and even though it's it was such a close um transition for me I can't imagine going anywhere else so yeah family do you know Mark Thomas from Odessa of course I do was he instrumental in getting you to UCM did he talk it up he did yes yeah he was my Obviously, he was the football coach, but he was my weights coach as well, and he had nothing but positive things to say, and he helped me out a lot, get kind of gain the confidence to send the email and, you know, do all that. So, yeah. He was my weights coach here. Yeah, obviously, that would worked, make sense. Obviously, it worked better for you than it did for me because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I barely saw the field, and you're an All-American, yeah. so there you go. I need to have a little chat with him about that. Trey, what about you? What does it mean to be a Mules track and field athlete? Um, I'll agree with her. I mean, it's it's uh, been huge. Uh, I was pretty new to track when I showed up here, so I've learned a lot. I've experienced a lot, and it's really helped me develop as a person. What made you choose track over football or basketball? You played basketball and baseball too, right? Yeah. Okay. What made you choose track? Um, I think it was just new. I think I got tired of a lot of other sports, and – that was just the new thing, so came in, and I had to learn a bunch of new stuff, so it was challenging and fun. Well, the UCM track and field program has a lot of history. Uh, it's got a couple of great coaches, and, and Kirk Peterson and Kip Janvern running the show, and, and they're lucky to have you guys on the team. We're lucky to have you here in the Cardinal and Black. Thank you, Maddie and Trey, for being here with us today, uh, being on the show, and good luck to you the rest of the season. Thank you Thank so you. much. Thanks for having us. That was Maddie Wolfcutter and Trey Miller right here on Sports Page. I am so enjoying getting to know some of our Mules and Jennies better, and I equally enjoy looking up some of our alumni. Time now for Where Are They Now? (laughs) 
some student athletes just cannot get enough. Katie Grusin Straka was a defensive specialist for the Jennies from 1997 to 2000. And while she had a solid college career, it is what she has done since graduating with her degree in English education that has brought Katie notoriety. She has been a high school head coach for 22 years, the past 15 at Blue Springs High School. There she has led the Wildcats to eight district championships, four Elite Eight appearances, and a state runner-up finish. For her job on the sideline, Katie has been inducted into the Missouri High School Volleyball Coaches Association Hall of Fame. Katie now teaches English and Journalism at Blue Springs High School. She is a member of three Jenny's teams that have been inducted into the UCM Athletics Hall of Fame, and she was a three-time MIAA Academic Honor Roll selection. Sidney Cho Cuckentod was inducted into the UCM Athletics Hall of Fame in 1999. He was a two-time first-team All-American, a three-time first-team All-MIAA second baseman, and helped lead the Mules to a trio of MIAA championships from 1988 to 1990. Born in Thailand, he finished his career as UCM's career leader in hits, runs scored, and stolen bases in just three years. You see, Choke, as he was known by his teammates, was also an academic All-American of the Year for baseball as a junior, and having completed Central Missouri's three-year pre-engineering program, he finished his college career with a stellar season at Texas A&M in 1991. Today, Sidichoke Huckentod is Director of Health and Safety for Nike in Eugene, Oregon. He works in Responsible Supply Chain, where he helps Nike's global suppliers and facilities build safe and healthy workplaces. Choke told me the work is, quote, near and dear to my heart as my story began in the rice farms in the Thai countryside, unquote. His goal is to use the power of the Nike brand to make positive change in factories around the world. Two more former UCM student-athletes who have gone on to great things and have worked to make a difference. That's a look at where are they now. If you know of a former Mueller Jenny who is using what they learned on the gridiron, field, court, course, or track, and in the classroom, email me at jhmore at ucmo.edu and let me know. When we come back, we'll preview this week ahead in UCM Athletics. Don't go away. This is Sports Page. We have so much to celebrate in Division II, but we're especially proud of our commitment to make a wish. Division II student athletes have led a 10-year initiative to raise funds and help grant wishes of children with life-threatening medical conditions. Nearly $3 million have been raised, and hundreds of children's wishes have been granted. We play hard, we work hard, and we support others in need. Why? It's simple. Because we care. to believe but mules baseball starts this week in the houston winter invitational at minute maid park in houston texas the mules have three games from friday to sunday february 3rd through 5th ucm takes on north greenville friday at 5 p.m monteveo saturday at 1:30 p.m and flagler sunday at 1:30 p.m the mules finished 46 and 9 in 2022 30 and 3 in the miaa they finished as regular season and tournament champions and have been picked to repeat as conference champs this spring Mules and Jennings basketball has a couple of crucial tests this week. UCM hosts Pittsburgh State Thursday at the Multipurpose Building. The Jennings and Gorillas tip off at 5.30 p.m. with the Mules and PSU to follow at 7.30. Pittsburgh State's women are 17-4, 12-3, and currently tied for third in the MIAA. The men's team is 6-15 and 3-12 and and in conference action. Saturday, Missouri Southern comes to town. The women's game begins at 1 p.m. with the men to follow at 3. 
Missouri Southern's women are 19 and 4, 11 and 4, and tied for fifth in the league. The men's team is 14 and 7, 10 and 5, and fourth in the MIAA. The Jennies open the week at 17 and 1, 13 and 1, and first in the MIAA, while the Mules are 9 and 11, 5 and 9 in conference play. All four games can be seen on the MIAA network. Just go to ucmathletics.com, select the appropriate schedule, find your game, and click on the watch button for pay-per-view experience. Mules Wrestling heads north Saturday, February 4th for a duel at the University of Nebraska Kearney. Matches begin at 2 p.m. The Mules are 0-2 in duels, 0-1 in the MIAA, while Nebraska Kearney is 5-2, 1-0 in league action. The Lopers are currently ranked number 3 in NCAA Division II. After two weekends at home, UCM Indoor Track and Field is on the road for the Northwest Missouri Bearcat Invitational in Maryville Friday and Saturday, February 3rd and 4th. And Jenny's Bowling is off this week. They'll be back on the lanes Friday through Sunday, February 10th through 12th at the Lewis University Flyer Invitational in Lockport, Illinois. You can keep up with how the Mules and Jennies are doing by logging on to ucmathletics.com or checking out their results at ucmbeat.com and clicking on the Central News tab. Thanks for joining me today on Sports Page, presented by UCM The Beat, the internet radio station of the University of Central Missouri. For more information on upcoming shows, follow us on UCM The Beat's social media for Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And check out our blog at ucmsportspage.blogspot.com. Thanks for joining me. Hope you enjoyed it. Until next time, God bless, and go Mules and Jennies. Did you know that the University of Central Missouri has been leading innovation for nearly 150 years? With more accreditations and more qualified faculty members, our commitment to academic success is unparalleled. And we make sure every student receives the support they need to graduate on time and with less debt. So whatever opportunity you're looking for, make your impact sooner at UCM. With campuses located in Warrensburg, Lee Summit, and online. Find out more about UCM and the power of opportunity in action at ucmo.edu.